Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program is Mr. Nigel Cliff talking about Holy War. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question a week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. show. Well, the voyages of Vasco da Gama are regarded in history as the journey that fulfilled the dreams of the sea route to the eastern trade route. But the far-reaching implications of these voyages shifted the balance of power in the region and set up repercussions that lasted for centuries. Well, joining us today to discuss this issue is Mr. Nigel Cliff. Mr. Cliff is the noted historian, biographer, and critic whose first work, The Shakespeare Riots, was a finalist for the National Award for the Writing Arts. Recipient of the prestigious Bennington Prize, his new release, Holy War, how Vasco da Gama's epic voyages turned the tide in a centuries-old clash of civilizations explores this topic for a general audience. And Mr. Cliff, we're very glad to have you today on the Grok Science Show. Hi, good to be with you. Well, it's really our pleasure, and I think this is really a fascinating book you've written, Holy War. Yeah, would you talk about uh, Vasco da Gama's really uh, oftentimes overshadowed voyages to the eastern trade routes? I'm wondering if maybe first sort of set the stage for what uh, the environment was like when da Gama began his voyages. Well, I think overshadowed is right, because a lot of the emphasis, understandably, in the past centuries has been on what happened to the West rather than what happened in the East. But it was, of course, always the East that the explorers, including Columbus, were trying to reach. And this is really a story that stretches back several centuries. I think you can start it as the, one of the great 16th century Portuguese historians did by explaining how the uh, Muslims ended up to be in Spain in the 7th century to the 15th century. And to me, the events in Spain were really the genesis of the Crusades. They were uh, the uh, age of discovery is really a continuation of the Crusades, an attempt to push the Muslims um, who had been expelled from Spain back around the world and to pursue um, the former masters of the Spanish and Portuguese into their homelands. So really it was a continuation of the struggle between Christianity and Islam that propelled the, the journeys in a way. I think so. I mean, on, on the part of the Portuguese who began this great push to discover the Atlantic Ocean and, the, and then the Indian Ocean, this was a, an 80-year journey that had been planned from the heart of the kingdom uh, and had, uh, in, in, in almost every uh, period of that, uh, clear religious purposes. The, the Pope has endorsed uh, the, these uh, voyages as crusading missions, uh, given uh, remissions of sins to the sailors, to all intents and purposes, uh, as if they were crusading armies marching east, only this time they were on ships instead. And da Gama certainly was not the first to try and attempt this. Obviously, Columbus took his route to what he thought was the, the Indies, but obviously a number of other people looking for this route. And what was it that da Gama gave him the insight in? That? That's right. Um, I, Columbus, of course, sailed west to find a route to the east. And when he arrived in Cuba, he thought it was Japan. When he arrived on the mainland of America, he thought he had arrived in China. And the entire purpose of the, of the Age of Discovery was 
for me to reverse the tide of, of history by making the Christian West into a global power as the Muslim East had, had been for, for, for centuries before then. To do that, they intended to uh, commandeer the spice routes, which were among the most valuable trading routes in the world, to link up with an Eastern Christian king who was thought to be centuries old and had huge armies at his disposable and magical powers at his command, uh, and uh, eventually with, with their new allies in the East and, and the new wealth at their fingertips to push on to Jerusalem and take back the Holy City with all of the biblical repercussions that were thought to follow from that. So this was, this was essentially um, a crusade for the Holy Land that, that had to uh, go all the way around Africa in, in order to reach the, a few miles from the Eastern Mediterranean. So again, really driven by religion, Christianity, and this idea that after taking over the, these wealthy roots, they could conquer the world. They could conquer the world. And I mean, it, I think it did have a, a huge repercussion. The turning point at which Europe believed that it could be a global force was the point when Vasco da Gama arrived in the East, and a way was seen to permanent links with the East and to exploring further around the globe. Columbus's discoveries, of course, turned out to be of monumental importance, but at the time they were seen as something of a puzzle. No one was really sure what Columbus had found. And, and, and land was not something that was really in short supply in Europe at this time. What was was, was, was wealth, and, and, and that was all draining out of Europe into the east to pay for spices and all of the luxury goods of, of Europe that came from Asia need for this wealth or, or the control of the spice trade that you're seeking. Yes, I mean, Columbus came back from his first mission, a few branches that he thought smelled of cinnamon and and some fool's gold to mine pyrite. And, and when he went back on his next voyage, he, he was under some pressure to actually find spices. Of course, he was in the Caribbean uh, and they were thin on the ground. Vasco da Gama came back with his holds fairly um, well stocked with spices, although his king not, not realizing that the East was a powerful uh, civilization of, of, of great antiquity and sophistication, had, had sent him with some, some trinkets and bells and hoods and little things to, to, to give out in return for spices. So on the first mission, he, he returned with great news, but with little wealth. Uh, the, the subsequent missions filled their holds with spices and commandeered most of the spice trade for, for, for many decades. And, and did give the the Portuguese uh, the great wealth that they'd sought. Well, I wonder if you can paint a portrait of Vasco da Gama. He's sort of an explorer that uh, is sort of lost. Yes, I think because because of, of Columbus's what I call Columbus's magnificent mistake in the book, uh, because of the of lone visionary sailing against received opinion into into the West. Uh, it's it's a it's a romantic story. It's not entirely based in fact. Uh, the story that we're taught, we're taught in school. Um, Vasco da Gama was was the inheritor of of, of uh, a great deal of work for preparation um, by many thousands of men before him. Uh, Bartholomew Diaz had reached the Cape of Good Hope a few years earlier, and before that, many sailors had had, had uh, crossed supposedly uncrossable boundaries in order to prosecute this mission. Uh, he he was a, he was not a particularly high-profile man at the Portuguese court. One of the chroniclers even suggests that the king just took a shine to him when he was walking through the room and, and chose him for, for the voyage. But it, it, the most likely explanation is that he was a, a man of courage, uh, a great leader, and he had some of the qualities that you needed for this peculiar mission. 
to control a ship of reckless sailors for more than two years, to be an ambassador who could negotiate with, with great foreign kings, uh, and if, if necessary, and unfortunately it did turn out to be necessary from the Portuguese point of view, uh, to be a, a war leader as well. Somehow, despite this, he managed quite a feat at the time. He, he did. I, I, I think he, he, he was uh, an extraordinarily driven man, partly for, uh, for his own reasons, but because he, he, he was driven to rise in society, uh, partly from, from, from sheer perseverance and, and, and iron will. He was a man who was, who was loved and, and followed um, blindly by, by his crews, who felt that at every moment he, his, his first purpose was to protect them. So they followed him into the great unknown off the edge of the maps. Uh, into enemy territory, and, ver and very quickly gave them his allegiance, and this was something that that, that lasted all his his life. There was a a form of of hero worship um, among ordinary sailors of Vasco da Gama long before he was enshrined in the pantheon of the Portuguese national heroes. Uh, had a large number of opponents at court who resented the the idea of of, of this guy riding so far from his lowly station. But I, I think you know he deserves his fame. He, he 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 wasn't a very nice man in some ways, but he was a powerful figure who could uh, pull off a mission that that required almost impossible combinations of qualities. So, what was that first journey like? It was, as you would imagine, grueling. This was a journey of twelve thousand miles to reach his destination, twelve thousand miles back home, crossing oceans uh, that had never been sailed by Europeans certainly since the time of the Romans, uh, the, 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 the navigational devices were fairly rudimentary, although the Portuguese had become the first to be able to navigate by, um, sorry, to be able to tell their uh, latitude by, uh, the, by observing the position of the sun, the declination of the sun. But longitude, of course, was still a long way from, from, from being calculated at sea. So these, these sailors set out from Lisbon stopped off at the Cape Verde Islands just off Africa, and then for 90-some days sailed in a great loop around the Atlantic, ending up just off the Cape of Good Hope, a, a revolutionary uh, maneuver which, which has been followed ever since. He, he, Vasco da Gama found the, the winds that, that took you in the shortest fashion to uh, the southern tip of Africa. He then made his way up the east coast of Africa, stopping for some hair-raising encounters with uh, a number of villages and, and, and towns and, and, and eventually wealthy cities along the coast controlled by powerful sultans. Very many narrow escapes nearly uh, got uh, caught and, and discovered at, at, at numerous uh, stops. At one point, he was thought to, they, were, they were thought to be Muslims. They, they were not exactly disguising themselves, but they were mistaken for Muslims because Muslims were the only traders known in those waters. And, and a great fracas broke out, a, a terrible battle um, when it was found out who they really were, eventually finds his way across the Indian Ocean, um, has a, a long and drawn-out dialogue with the, the king, which ends in all sorts of trouble, starts beautifully with, with great crowds lining the way along the rivers and the, and the roads into the central town to this great palace where thousands are, are packing the audience chambers, but then the situation quickly disintegrated as, again, it was discovered that Vasco da Gama uh, really didn't have the slightest idea what to expect when he when he arrived in the east. He underestimated the civilization of India by a mile. 
after all of this, uh, of course, they had to get home again, and the voyage home was, was the worst part of all. Uh, they were racked by scurvy, they failed at the wrong time, uh, and missed the monsoon winds, and were were uh, blown about all over the Indian Ocean, and, and a large number of the of the sailors uh, died quite fearful, lonely deaths on the way back to Portugal. Yeah, not much to show from it other than news of, of the route that they found. News of the route, but this was something that had been dreamed of by kings for centuries. It was a, a great moment in, in, in European history, and the Portuguese king lost no time in crying about it to his parents-in-law, the, the neighboring Spanish monarchs, and to the Pope in Rome, and to all the crowned heads of Europe. So Vasco da Gama, although he had not brought back his his holds full of, of spices, uh, had brought back news that, that, that shocked the whole world, and really tipped the balance of power from the eastern Mediterranean, where, where Venice was the, the great maritime trading power to and Portugal and the Atlantic. And then this set up the, the waves of uh, exploration then to the east via this new route. Absolutely. Uh, and for many years, I think still not just exploration for exploration's sake. One would like to think of it as a sort of disinterested voyage to, to increase human knowledge, but, but a crusade, I think. Uh, if you read the, the words of the, of the Portuguese kings uh, and, and some of his early governors uh, and uh, of the Spanish kings as, as well, uh, they, the, the, there was a, an obsession with Jerusalem, with, uh, with um, military might uh, in being wielded in the name of religion. Uh, and I think that the, the crusading identity of, of, of the voyage of discovery has, has been somewhat um, understated, certainly for the first two or three decades, until the explorer, the conquistadores, got mired in, in, in local situations and, and, and personal greed and took over from national ideals. Certainly in the 1520s, you still have the, the, the Spanish explorers, uh, and even Cortes and Pizarro, uh, apologizing to the Spanish king in letters that uh, they failed to find a way through South America to the Indian Ocean and, and the Spice Islands. This was, this was still the, the destination of the voyages of discovery, this, this, this great uh, source of wealth that was intended to, the, the weapon that Europe would wield against the Muslim East. So why do you think it is that this religious impetus uh, hasn't really been as appreciated in, in reviewing the history of the time? I wonder why. I suppose each period of history has its, has its own take on, the, on these great stories. In, in the 19th century, if you think of the historian Carlyle uh, and, and, and others, of his mind, it was an era, era of hero worship, and you get the great Victorian celebrations of the explorers as these these standout figures almost single-handedly changed the world. In the 20th century, a lot of the history has concentrated on 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 the balance of trade between Europe and the East, and has suggested that economics really lay behind the the missions to the East. When the Portuguese spoke of religion, spoke of their determination to reach. Jerusalem. This was uh, hypocritical. It was it was it was window dressing for, for for the real purpose of the mission. I think that's gone too far, in my opinion. And although one mustn't take people always at their word, I think that this was this was a great theme that had been running through European history for, for centuries, and and the Portuguese uh, felt and, and 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 expressed to the rest of Europe that they had picked up the torch 
that they felt had been dropped after the Crusades and, and that they were embarked on this, this great adventure around the world in order to to push back the, the Muslim tide that had been flowing into Europe and was still flowing into Europe at this point. One mustn't forget that Constantinople, the greatest city in Europe, had fallen just 40-some years ago to the Turks, um, that the Ottomans were marching towards Rome and Vienna um, 10, uh, 20 years before this voyage. So there was a real present threat from Islam as it was seen in Europe, on Europe's doorstep. And, and, and I do believe that, that, that a huge calculation in the, uh, in the voyages of discovery. So how quickly did things change after uh, this discovery uh, in terms of shifting the balance of power? They, Portugal became studded with the most extravagant buildings with entrusted columns of African and Eastern marvels, tiny chapel which Henry the Navigator had, had sent his sailors off to sea from uh, turned into an extraordinary lofty monastery with, with garlanded um, gargoyles showing, showing all of the magic and mystery of, of the East. Um, Venice, which had previously been the, the great trading power in, in Europe, the, the, the power that traded uh, Eastern goods across Europe, was so wide that it ganged up with the Ottomans and the Egyptians in order to crush the Portuguese. And there were all sorts of spies and diplomatic wrangles that that, that set in all sorts of, um, of, of unlikely alliances to, to, to crush the interlopers. Um, I think the answer is that the Portuguese mission in itself uh, didn't tip the balance of power immediately, but that if you take the, the consequences of the voyage in terms of the later Portuguese explorers who pushed on to China and Japan and into, the, into, into Indonesia and the Spice Islands themselves, and if you take the, the, the picture in, in the round and, and understand that it was this Portuguese obsession uh, with exploring the oceans that also drove Columbus east, then uh, in the long run it seems to me clear that it, it, this was the, the, the turning point in this, in this great push and pull between east and west that had been such a marked feature of history for, for 2,000 years prior to, prior to the age of discovery. I think first they have an interest in themselves. It's always fascinating to see how people behave out of their own society. I think you can tell a great deal about medieval Europe, um, Europe on the cusp of the modern age, um, from the way that the explorers behaved in the East. But to me, there's a, there's a, a much uh, longer resonance too, which is that this was a, a pattern that had been uh, ongoing for, for many centuries. The, the, which we, in my book, I trace the arrival of the uh, of Islam in Europe, and then the, the slow pushback into in, of, of Christianity into the East. It seems to me that if we see this as, 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 a, as a pattern, we understand that we all have shared responsibilities, shared, shared blame even, uh, and, and also shared successes. Uh, some, of the, some of the moments of peace that, stud, that, that punctuated this, this long struggle were moments when, when civilization strode forward in great leaps and bounds. So I, I think if we if we understand that we we have shared re, re, shared responsibilities, uh, then it's easier to understand the opinions and attitudes of people in other parts of the world who don't necessarily see Europe's uh, predominant preponderance in the world in quite the positive way that we usually do.
Well, uh, the new book, again, is called Holy War, How Vasco da Gama's Epic Voyages Turned the Tide in a Centuries-Old Clash of Civilizations. And, Mr. Cliff, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thank you. Pleasure. All right. Uh, if you have a few seconds, we would quickly like to play the game, the Grokatron 5000. Okay, okay. It's time to play the game, the Grokatron 5000. It's our supercomputer, formerly known as Deep Blue. And today, the Grokatron 5000 has chosen the topic Explorer or Homebody. So, for the following five individuals, the Grokatron 5000 like to know if you think they're more of an explorer or homebody and a reason why. Uh, Mr. Cliff, ready to play the game? Yep. Okay, here we go. Person number one, explorer or homebody, Mr. Simon Cow. Mr. Simon Cow, not um, one of my closest acquaintances. I would say um, I would say homebody. I think he takes his uh, version of himself wherever he goes in the world. Two, One of our great experts, I guess. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, number two, it's uh, David Beckham. David Beckham um, again. I think a homebody. Uh, I think he's he's quintessentially English. He um, takes a little bit of Manchester United wherever he he travels to. Uh, number three, it's the um, industrialist Richard Branson. Richard must be an explorer since he's intent on shooting up into space with, um, with his payload of tourists. I think he's, he, he's someone who's definitely been a, um, a radical force in Britain for some time, and, uh, and, and I admire him for it, I must say. But, uh, very good. Um, number four, actress Sharon Osbourne. Um, I don't know Sharon Osbourne so well, so I'm going to say uh, Homebody. Um, I'm not quite sure I can give you a reason why. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> All right, and finally, number five, it's uh, your Prime Minister, David Cameron. David Cameron's been having some adventures abroad recently, so I'll say in the great tradition of British Prime Ministers who like to strut the world stage, I would say an explorer. He's getting quite busy, it's true. All right. All right, well, uh, Mr. Cliff, I want to thank you very much for sticking around, playing our game, and again, talking about your book, Holy War. Thank you much, thank so you. much. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.